Welcome to episode 135 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'm here with the gold medalist of great customer service, Adam Toporek. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's, it's been a long time training, and <laughs> I, want to, I want to thank my coaches and my team. <laughs> I just pictured you like doing rhythmic gymnastics for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> rhythmic gymnastics. Um, okay, so if you want to ruin a Saturday night, picture me doing rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> little pro tip for you there, audience. Well, oh, you, you know what, Somebody Jeannie? please Photoshop that for me. <laughs> yeah, let's make a GIF, right? <laughs> so here's, awesome. here's the thing, Jeannie. What's the thing, Adam? I've been in business with you for over two years. That's what? No way. Over two years. Does that establish my credibility with you? <laughs> Oh, that's a loaded question, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's the what's the first rule of trial work? Don't ask a question you don't want to hear or yes, you don't know the answer exactly. to or, or don't want to hear the answer to. <laughs> so maybe the question we should be asking is since we've been doing this for 2 years, does that offer credibility to our listeners about us? I think the fact that this is episode 135 is much more impressive than the two. You got to go with the big numbers. But it is a good question. And what we're talking about today is do all these, as Jeannie calls them, claims of history. <laughs> I like that, the claims of history. <laughs> now, but do are these important? One, do millennials care? Two, and three, can they be overdone? Can you put too much, too much weight on them, rely on them too much, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Giving great service since 1932. Yep. Yep. I think so. I think, first of all, I don't think millennials care. I really don't. I think that they're perfectly willing to try the new guy or the new company um, if it's offering something that looks easier and more convenient for them. And that's, I mean, the success of Uber and all these startups is a lot of, because the millennials are willing to risk it a little bit and try something new. And they're not really the ones who are going to say, I always buy Tide detergent or I always do things because my mom did it or because my parents did it. Like they're, they're behaving very differently than consumers in the past. So I think that's part of it. But I, I do think that sometimes it's easy to rest on your laurels, isn't it? And so there are companies out there who say, well, we're such and such and we've been around forever. Um, and I wonder, you know, did Kodak say that? <laughs> Were they kind of thinking we've been around forever, nothing can touch us because it hadn't for so long and that was their claim where they lost sight of the fact that they were not really responding to what customers needed in today's world? Well, part of it, I think, would be that the weakest claim is how long you've been around. So yeah. there are other claims that are in that similar vein that have more credibility, a, mm -hmm. a billion served for instance, right. things like that. And I think with millennials, I'll be a little more charitable to them than you because, you know, I love the millennials. I love the millennials too. <laughs> you like how don't I did that? Don't me under the bus for you millennials. You like how I did that? <laughs> uh, no, but in all seriousness, I, I think they are, I don't think the claims of history work as well, but I think you could probably frame things a little differently uh, for them and, and make that same point because it's all about establishing credibility, right? Mm -hmm. And it can be inverse credibility, when you're making a claim that says, wow, we haven't kept up, if that's the percent, it's all about how you perceive the claim. So one of the things I think would be how you frame your claim of history, you know, instead of how long you've been around, how many people you've worked with, 
mm-hmm. how many companies you've saved, how many families you've helped plan their retirement, whatever it may be. I think that some of those claims where you can use your length of track record a little differently, because I would agree with millennials, they don't care if anything, it's probably a negative for many, because it's like, oh, well, I don't need grandpa's in- investment advice. Right. Right. Exactly. And yeah. I, yeah, I think, you know, you start doing stuff like, well, you know, um, planning retirement since your dad was using Netscape, you know, what I, mean? <laughs> so, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that doesn't help you sell to. Um, people that have grown up in a rapidly changing, ever-evolving, nothing lasts more than six months kind of world. Well, and I think there are there's context to this as well, because in my town of Chicago, there's a big debate over who was actually the first restaurant to provide deep dish pizza, which is now kind of a staple of our food scene. And people come to Chicago and that's what they need to get, Right. So there's all this debate over which one was actually first, and they all a bunch of them claim it. <laughs> of course. And and that makes sense to me because if somebody's coming to town for the first time and they are they want to get this deep dish pizza and they see somebody that says we were the first ones, we're the original, quote unquote, then that claim lends itself to the actual experience of it. But I think beyond that, we don't think about, you know, how long things have been around. We all use Amazon and they have not been around all that long. And yet we use them because of the convenience, because of the innovation that they provide around the retail experience and everything else. And so you don't see them kind of walking around saying, we've been around 20 years or 30 years or whatever it's been now. And I think that's the the challenge is that we have to kind of get over relying on some of the marketing ploys of the past that have worked and really looking at the context of the situation and the actual experience that we're trying to provide. Actually, I'll add two points to that. One, I think, you know, being first, all these things, it's like a pride point in, mm-hmm. internally more than, I mean, if I come to Chicago, I didn't ask you when I came to Chicago, I didn't ask you who was the first deep dish pizza. I said, right. what, is, what is the best deep dish pizza? Right. Where should right. I go? What's the one that's going to make me, you know, happy? And right. I said, and Lou Malnati's. I wasn't going to give the props <laughs> in case you, they like ticked you off lately. So you can say it. Oh, no. But it was yummy. <laughs> I went there. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing on Amazon, you know, you're right. They don't point out how long they've been in business. But what they do do, and this is very important, is they do it slightly differently. And American Express has been doing this forever. Mm-hmm. Member since blank. That's right. That's and right. How long you've been with me. It's it's personalized and recognized. Exactly. exactly right. Yeah. And I always appreciate that when they actually recognize how long have you been loyal to us instead of how long we have happened to be around. Um, I think that's that's a really important point as well. So I just think it's an interesting thing to start thinking about and really looking at how much of the kind of knee jerk marketing that is out there says things like since 1972 or whatever. And is that really necessary? Do people really care? Or is that just something you're patting yourself on the back for? And so does it add to the experience? That's the question I want people to ask. And I would I would ask them to ask a different question. Was not, if you have that, it's not, does it add to the experience or not add to the experience? Is, is it the best way to frame it? Mm-hmm. Is there a better way to use that credibility and to... Uh, communicate that credibility that's relevant to the person on the other end and not to you. Yeah. And I would say that 
if there's a way to uh, not only personalize it for the people who are already customers, but also show prospects, we are loyal to our customers as well. Here's, you know, show them how you treat long-term customers. That always is very helpful as well. Okay, well, neat topic. We're going to wrap this one up, make this one a quick one. And I will say this to our listeners. Thank you so much. You've been with us. This is now episode 135. Woohoo! And we appreciate it. We and, do. You know, we may have been in business for two years, but we've been with <laughs> you for 135 episodes. Yes, and we do appreciate each and every one of you. So thanks for listening. Thanks for all the feedback. We, we always appreciate it. We do. So if you want to give us some more feedback, please go to crackthecustomercode.com. I'm Jeannie Walters. Stay current on the latest customer experience trends and insights and see my TEDx talk at 360connects.com. And thank you to audible.com for sponsoring this episode. Get your own audiobook and free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash customer code. And I'm Adam Tapour. You can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.